Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. So we've had 21 nail-biting races, and would you believe it, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton head into the final race in Abu Dhabi, level on points. Who would have thought? My name is Tom Downey, deputising for our Lord and Saviour, James Tiller, and joining me today from the Everything of One team, we have Coops. How are you, Coops? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you, good sir. Also joining me is our resident Hamilton fan, Sponge. How are you, sir? This is the Hamilton fan. I'm good, thank you. I'm ready to get stuck in, Tommy Boy. <laughs> I thought you might say that. And joining us this week is a very, very special guest, Spanners. Welcome. Hi. I, I didn't know we had to be a fan of everyone. I am agonisingly neutral in all matters. Well, that is what we like to hear. So let's get stuck into it. Um, Saudi Arabia It had its inaugural Grand Prix on, on Sunday. Um Let's not beat around the bush. Let's get straight. Let's get right into it, and let's let's kick off with Hamilton versus Verstappen. I mean, where else are we going to start with the race to, that we saw on Sunday? So, Sponge, I'm going to come to you first because I fear this may take quite a while. Give us your thoughts on Hamilton versus Verstappen from Sunday, and keep it clean. Uh, well, I, I it, it, look, at the end of the day, the boys on the track didn't keep it clean. So why should I have to keep it clean in the podcast? Come on. Well, Coops has got like, to this, it, this, so. is, this is like an FIA decision. This is Tom. Come on, man. So I'm very much on the... I'm, I'm angry about what happened, if I'm completely honest with you. In this it, day and age, I can't understand how that that kind of thing can happen. And I, I just, I, I, we've seen Schumacher do this kind of thing before. We've seen Senna do this kind of thing before. I mean, just guys, what are we doing? What are we playing at? I know exactly how this has happened. <laughs> if I may, Sponge. Go on, Spanners. We only have to track Max Verstappen's career over the last several years to see that he is racing in a very kind of different way. And the way he has raced has been treated case by case. So he does one thing like interfere greatly with Kimi Raikkonen's Ferrari in Spa. That video has been doing the rounds. It's not punished. It's not punished when he shoves Raikkonen off the edge into Lacombe. It's not punished when he swerves at the last minute on a straight to block Raikkonen. It's not punished when he ducks in front of Daniel Ricciardo at Baku. It's not punished when he does any number of these manoeuvres. In fact, not only is it not punished, it changes the way that stewarding is done. So that move where he escorts someone to the edge of the track is now a completely normal part of Formula One. So that's how we've got to this point. We got to Brazil and he didn't get punished. And actually, Max Verstappen gave an interview to, I think, motorsport.com, where he said he didn't understand why he got a punishment for for forcing Lewis Hamilton off track and going wide because he didn't get one in Brazil. That was his words. He said, I didn't get a punishment in Brazil, so I don't understand why I got one here. This isn't Verstappen's fault. He is driving. He is, a, 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 he, he is filling the puddle that has been left for him by the FIA and by stewarding. So we can only conclude that the FIA and stewards want that kind of driving that Verstappen is doing. And maybe the other drivers just need to catch up we need a grid of 20 cars doing what Verstappen's doing because presumably everyone would be allowed also. Spanners, I've only just met you and you are already my hero. Yes, that is, that's my only aim for tonight <laughs> was to get that. I genuinely, it's the first time that I've heard somebody actually say what needs to be said like that. Yeah. And Spanners, I, I, I will pick up on what you said further on because I do have some points about the FIA and that's going to be a talking point of this podcast further on, but what you said about them almost setting a precedent for, for Verstappen, that Brazil move from a few weeks ago, I, for me personally, I would say that probably was the most controversial to date, where we haven't seen a punishment for someone where 
he was never going to make that corner. But I'm not going to go over over old ground. Um, talking more about sort of Verstappen and and, and sort of like how he's played out, sort of certainly in Jeddah, and then perhaps I, I would say maybe a bit in Qatar and um, and and so, some of the races we've had more recently. Coops, do you think Verstappen's maybe just slightly beginning to crack under the pressure? Because earlier in the season, it looked pretty much set that he was going to win the championship. Red Bull had that two tenths over Mercedes. We heard Hamilton saying over the radio a few times, they're just two tenths quicker than us. Uh, Austria springs to mind when, when they were ahead. And then it's, it's times like when, when Verstappen took the win in Mexico and when he held off Lewis in, um, in Austin. It seemed like everything was set for um for, for Verstappen to win. Do you think he's maybe beginning not well, perhaps crack a bit, but do you think he's almost perhaps getting a bit desperate with some of these moves he's putting in? No, no, desperate would be moves that you don't normally do. And as Spanners has already said, and as Sponge has alluded to, this isn't new for for Verstappen. This is how he drives. Yeah, I mean he drives at a hundred percent all the time. He has to drive at 100% all the time. And on occasion, he goes over that. Whereas Hamilton doesn't. Hamilton drives at maybe 90, 95, and then when you need it, he goes to the 100. That's why he's a seven-time champion. So, no, I don't think the pressure's getting to him. I think this is just him having to drive at that point. But also, there's that side of him. I mean, can we? can anybody remember a time where Lewis Hamilton drove dirty? Uh, not maybe not dirty, maybe not deliberately dirty, but there was certainly a time where Lewis Hamilton was Verstappen esque. And if you look at 2009, building all the way up kind of to 2011, and I think it was 2011 where he was just hitting Maldonado, he was hitting Massa every other race. He definitely went through that phase where his risk reward was different. And right now, Verstappen is all risk. And it is win yeah. or bin. And in his defense, <laughs> and I don't want to defend him too much. don't want to upset Sponge. But in his defense, <laughs> the Red Bull have maximized so much of that car's potential all yep. the way up to, like, even if you look at Cota, where Mercedes had the best car, but Red Bull did the better job. And, and Verstappen drove out of his skin and held off Lewis Hamilton. Then they had a little blip at Mexico where they bucked the trend and they had the race pace. But really... They are fighting with one arm tied behind their back right now because Mercedes suddenly turned up with six races to go with just a fantastic package. So if you're Max Verstappen now, are you just going to lay down and give up and go, well, they've got the best car? I think Verstappen's only chance is to harass like they did at um, Saudi Arabia. They put on the medium tyre for that final stint. That's not the best race tyre, but their only chance was getting the extra grip, getting ahead at the start and and being a pain in the ass up front. And I bet you they do the same thing in Abu Dhabi. I bet you they, they qualify on softs and just go, everything is about qualifying. So I, I don't blame them because and, and anything less than a thousand percent now from Verstappen and Red Bull just means giving up the title. Verstappen's not going to roll over and say, oh, well, maybe next year. You know, this, this is the first time... You know, and, and as a host, I'm supposed to be impartial, but I am a very, very big Verstappen fan. Um, What's that like? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I, I'd have said bloody lovely. But if, if you ask me now, if you ask me now, I, I'd, I'd say you know, there's a reason I don't have any nails left at the moment. Yeah. Um, How did you get that way? <laughs> sorry, I'd rather not talk about it. I'm neutral. I'm neutral. <laughs> I, I've got a question to ask everybody. Go on, then. I think it's a very important question when you're considering all of this. Do you think Max goes too far across the line? And do you think, based on what Spanner said earlier, do you think that it's this, this precedent that has been set to allow Max to drive the way that he is, do you think it's acceptable in Formula One to allow a driver to drive that way? Because I think it's as simple as that what it comes down to at the moment. And I, I think far too many times he's gone way way beyond the line of what's acceptable and i'll be completely honest with you from my point of view having watched racing since i was a kid having and i know this is on a much lesser level but he does it himself i race i, I do sim racing online there are 
you you have to understand, okay, that there are rules to racing, okay? So I've always said to everybody, I want to see three cars wide down the straight. I want to see cars wheel-to-wheel racing all the way around the track. Max doesn't race. Max is a hot lapper. He's really good. He's really quick. Don't get me wrong. He's got balls of steel. And he can put it. He showed it until he put the car in the wall on Saturday. He can go quicker than most people. He can even go quicker than Lewis in a what seems to be inferior car at the moment. But when it comes to a race, how many times does he just he cannot give up a corner? And I understand that there is a part of that where racers don't want to give up a corner. But I will say it, and I don't care what anybody thinks. He puts people's lives at risk with the way that he goes too far. Not maybe, maybe he didn't with that one at turn one on this weekend, but he does. He has done before and he has done since he came into the sport. Five years after he came into the sport, he should be understanding now and he should be using a bit of that experience to, to race a bit more proper. That's my opinion on the whole thing. What's his incentive to stop racing like that, though? There isn't any because if he isn't consistent, yeah. So why should he? Should he just suddenly yeah. grow a conscience and say, "No, I, I'll just, <laughs> I'll let people through. I'll be nicer." There's no incentive. No. But what I mean, what I mean, happens it... then? Those spanners is the only way that he learns by somebody really getting injured. No, was the, the, the issue me... when he first came into the sport was he kept he kept moving on the braking and that was dangerous in itself. That was one yeah. of the biggest things. Yeah, he he through his experience he stopped doing that. Or was he told, stop doing that, otherwise you're going to get penalised? Uh, here's, the, here's the bigger danger, though, Sponge. So you're a sim racer, iRacing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you're on I- oh, okay. iRacing, okay. ACC, mm. set of course. Uh, yeah. so, so, so we're grassroots, we're as grassroots uh, racing as you can get as racers. Yeah, and if you yeah. look at karting and cadet karting and stuff, what are the kids learning when they're watching this? Now, if you go to a kid's soccer match, you see kids copying the footballers rolling around on the floor yelling at referees go to a rugby match are they doing that no because when you go to a rugby match if there's any back chat to the referee and the referee's always welsh um he goes no we'll have we'll have we'll have no more of that we'll have no more of your back chat go back 10 yards you and then and and they shut the hell up yeah Yeah. and they exactly and they shut up and so kids and grassroots people like us do look to that example Formula One is at the top of the tree. And the reason they're letting Verstappen get away with that is because they have identified him as a marketable personality this season in particular. And maybe they were hoping so last season, somebody to to challenge the champ because you want that competition at the top. It does feel like they've sacrificed an awful lot to to let him be up there and fighting because there are, there are I can I'd name a half a dozen penalties that he should have got or that another racer would have got or in a different era another racer would have got the price we're going to pay is down the line like i'm sure you'll start seeing it in sim racing you'll see people just shoving you to the outside and going well i i had the racing line so you've just got to jump off the track you'll see it at car tracks now as well and as just like verstappen couldn't understand why he got a penalty in saudi arabia these kids are going to be like, what do you mean? That's that's racing. And there's a generation of people now looking at Verstappen at the pinnacle of motorsport and saying, that's racing. That's what you do. That's the danger. But the thing that worries me on the back of that, though, Spanners, is Max is actually part of the PlayStation generation himself. Him and him and Lando have made a good name for themselves being on sim racing. And I mean, he's had incidents on sim racing as well because he does exactly the same thing. Yeah, he, it's like he drives in he drives in real life, like he's driving on i racing. Because it's like on i racing, you hit someone, you go off, you just you, you quit out and start again. It's as simple as that. It's not like that in real life. You know what I mean? It's, and he doesn't he doesn't seem to kind of distinguish between the two. But maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but I I, I just. I, I just think it's way, way over the line of what you do in real life. Yeah. Can I just say that Sponge has aged himself by saying, oh, no, the PlayStation generation. You sound like such an old dude. I'm part so... of it myself. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> right. M- move, moving along, chaps. Um, sorry to, to be a bit of a oh, Tom doesn't like that I've got wound up. There we are. Problem <laughs> solved. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, the FIA certainly had a, had a part to play this weekend, I think it's fair to say. Um, and I think we will all agree that there were some questionable decisions and antics made this weekend. Um, 
we've seen a lot of criticism of Michael Massey on social media, and I will be one to admit I have made criticism of him from this weekend myself, because personally, some of the things I saw him do, or some of, some of the ways I saw him go about things, I wasn't sure if it was the best thing, the best, the best, what the best way to be doing it. Um, one of the one of the big things for me was there seems to be a lack of communication between Michael Massey and the teams. Now, I'd be interested to get all of your thoughts on this. Um, and Coops, I'll go to you first, mate. Do you think that Michael Massey was going about things in the best way on um, on Sunday? And one the the main one that I want to sort of mention is when Massey did not tell Mercedes the Red Bull were going to let Hamilton pass. And that obviously caused the incident between the two drivers. Do you think it should have it should have been handled in a different way? This is the only time where the the radio communication between the FIA and the teams, which we all loved up until this point, is negative. Because if you look at the first red flag, where Massey goes over to Red Bull and says, "Right, I'm going to give you this this offer." They're going to drop behind Hamilton. Eventually, they realised it would be third place behind Hamilton. We all call him first. Those aren't. That's not unusual. The issue is we had the red flag, so the race director could say, "Right, give the place back," which we've seen it. I mean, George Russell done it. I can't remember the track, but he jumped to queue coming out of the pits. Uh, was it Hungary? I think. Uh, and he did. And he admitted after the race, "I thought I'd chance it," and then very quickly he was told, "Get back. We up to." So if he didn't get back, it would go to the steward to give him a penalty. So it's the same situation with that. Uh, people were all like, oh, look, he's negotiating. He's not. He's kind of saying, look, if you don't do this, uh, it's going to the steward. Maybe he used the wrong word then. In terms of the, the break check, was it a break check? Was it not? I don't know. The steward seemed to think there was a bit of erratic breaking. There's, more, there's a lot more factors to take into consideration with that. So... It's a live situation. It's fluid. It's a live race. Of course, things are going to happen quick. So Massey had told Red Bull to give the place back according to the contradictory comment made by Mercedes that was going on live. They, they didn't get the message, but then they were in the middle of telling the engineer and then it all happened. But then what you've also got to take into consideration that both Hamilton and Verstappen were going about this whole gamesmanship, like Hamilton could have passed him, but didn't pass him because he knew that the DRS activation line was there. And if he passed him, Verstappen would get DRS and be able to pass him on the straight. So he didn't want to go then he went. And then Verstappen inexplicably slammed on the anchors for a split second, which caused the incident. So there's too many other things going on. Well, I mean, let's let's be fair. I don't think any of us that are in this podcast are going to be race directors anytime soon. And I think it's a very hard job. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Sponge. I think Sponge has got to throw in his hat in the ring a few times. Well, to be fair, no, I, not, at, not at all. <laughs> I, my biggest thing about the FIA thing was see when Mercedes came on and they started arguing and like bickering like wee children, like kind yeah. of grow up here and go on mate. Like no, 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 no. You didn't tell us this. No, no, that's not right. Like, gonna shut up and go on with your job. It, it just it got a wee bit too much there. I think Spanners has got something to say there, but. To yeah. add to it, but it was um, no. I think Massey done all right. I think there's a couple of things he could have done slightly better, to be honest. But it wasn't as bad as it was made out to be. I don't think. So uh, Michael Massey spent a little bit of time being very respectful to the huge shoes he was filling in for. So he mm -hmm. stepped into Charlie Whiting's shoes and he tried to be, I think, respectful of the the role as it existed. I feel like what we're seeing now is the Michael Massey way. And then from the reaction of the, of the team guy, so there's uh, Ron Meadows on the Mercedes side, and who does he yeah. speak to at Red Bull? Oh, I've forgotten the name. But Jonathan Whiteley, Jonathan sports Whiteley. and director. So what's clear at the moment is that they are currently battling. It's like a poker table. You know, they're battling to see who's bluffing. And Michael Massey has not sat there and stamped his authority yet. He hasn't pushed so hard. I think there is a philosophy that if you see someone wearing a jacket and you want them to take it off, you can warm them with the sun or you can uh, attempt to blow the coat off with wind. And so far, Massey has just tried to gently 
warm them. But I, I'm actually a fan of the way he's communicating, and it's it's a different style of race directing where he's essentially treating himself like an on-pitch referee with VAR in the background, you know, with the video evidence in the background. So he's kind of acting as this uh, this kind of uh, initial triage of what incidents need to go to the stewards. So with the, the the giving back in the place, he's going, well, what can what can we what can we do here to sort this out quickly? And at the moment, because the teams feel like they have a bit more power, they're saying, oh, can we have five minutes to think about it? No, you can't have five minutes to think about it. Get a grip. But in future, as Michael Massey gets more established, I think that kind of back chat and that kind of, well, we can dominate you is going to fade. Early in the season, Red Bull have been putting so much pressure on the race directors. I think the FIA and the race directors were a little bit shocked and stunned by the ferocity of the Red Bull management initially. Silverstone, you put my boy in the hospital. You could have killed him. It was crazy. It was irresponsible. And it was all hyperbole and harsh rhetoric. And I, I think the FIA and Massey were put on the back foot. And I think they are starting to get a grip and fight back now. But you saw in Brazil the influence of, was it Horner that came on the radio and said, this is what we mean by let them race, which was a ridiculous statement torpedoing yourself at 90 degrees to the track and not attempting to make the turn and throwing the other driver off track. That's not let them race. But because they were so upfront, this is what we meant by let them race. And I think Massey at that point went, oh, no, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. I honestly think they're starting to get a grip. I think Massey 2.0, if we want to content, continue the Bottas thing next season, tips up a foot taller and a bit gutsier and I think the teams are going to start going, oh, if, if he offers us a deal, we'd better take it. Because, you know, like Coop says, that actually means take this deal or it's going to be worse. That's a, that's a, that's a very good point, this Spanners. Coop, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I think Spanners is, is right. I think he's going to come in next year. It'll be a fresh start. He'll have the chest out. He'll have the chin up. And he'll be kind of like, no, this is my job. And it'll be more... This is what we're doing, like Papa Bear. It, it would, yeah, yeah, you know, it will be. I mean, it would, it would have been brilliant to have that communication with Charlie Whiteham was about, but then again, I don't think Charlie Whiteham would really want that to be there. I don't no. think. I think we've been kind of spoiled. I think that needs to come back a bit. It's like watching years ago when you had the the Big Brother and all that. You got the highlight show. You're forgetting that they, they filmed it for twelve hours, and then they're what they're showing you a one hour show. It's exactly the same thing. You don't know the conversations before and after. And after, uh, no, it's a difficult one. I think. I think a lot of people were on edge because of the track, and the minute something happened, they're like, "Told you so!" Look at the state. We knew this was going to happen, and their backs were up almost instantly. Now, and then of course the Fidipaldi accident in F two. Oh, uh, there was a lot of. People on Twitter going, see, I told you this chat was dangerous. Like, it was a start line thing. Everybody yeah. has a start line. Like, come on. But this was the attitudes coming into the track and seeing the, the track and, you know, seeing the speeds and a couple of close calls. You know, it's it was um, the way that everyone has reacted to Massey has been a victim of the... It's Massey's been a victim of people's opinions about Saudi Arabia and about the track rather than the actual breaking it down, to be honest. That's a, I think that... to add on that, though, Coops, I think from my point of view, I did have my back up about the track before. Nothing to do with the Saudi Arabia thing. It was literally just to do about the track layout. And to, to be perfectly honest with you, the only reason that I feel that sense of dread is because every time I feel like there's something off with a track, I just think back to Imola 94, and I can't help it. I'm, a, you know, like out and center was God to me, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when you've got, when you've got that kind, that weekend from the very, very start of the weekend, it was like just stop it. It doesn't feel right. Barrichello's nearly just died. You've had uh, Ratzenberger's just died. Even on the start line, like on Saturday uh, with the uh, F2s, there was an accident that nearly killed a, a couple of fans with a wheel. It just didn't feel right. And when you get another weekend like this, it's like, guys, just the track doesn't feel right. Something big is going to happen. We've already had a warning. We've already had a couple of warnings. Just, 
and that's what my back was up for. And I think that is a legitimate concern. I, I do understand what you're saying. You know, you know pe- people went in, and I, I did as well. It was like, you know... We all did, to be fair, Sponge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I um, just, I just uh, thought that the Jeddah track was really hard to race in F1 2021. I've tried that. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a horrible thing. It's not as bad as the Vietnam, the Vietnam track. The oh, track that, yeah. Never, that the, was... The, the, never was. That was that was a horrible thing to try yeah. and race on. But... Well, that, that, well, Coops, that's, that's a very good point. And that brings me on to another topic which I wanted to talk about and we sort of already started talking about is the circuit itself. And putting aside, like Spencer, putting aside... Saudi Arabia and other at it, looking at it purely as a racing circuit, I'd be interested to get all of your thoughts on how how you thought it was for racing. Now, let's let's look at it from two angles. We, we look at it from qualifying, and then let's look at it from racing and how it delivered on both fronts. Um, Sponge, you 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 kind of kicked us off with it, so. How so? Just just sort of elaborate a little bit on on, on think, how you thought the circuit was. I'm going to keep it short and sweet from my point of view. I think there's yeah. two ways of looking at it from a driver's point of view. Valtteri Bottas summed it up perfectly. This is effing awesome. It's a fast. It's flowing. It's narrow. You know the adrenaline must have been going through their veins ten to the dozen. It's an it's an awesome track. I'm sure it is if you're driving. From every other perspective, it just seemed like a death trap. Every corner was blind. You know, again, it just seemed like it was like thread and needle time from yeah. from, from the start to the, the uh, back hairpin and then all the way back down to the start again, one after the other kind of thing. It didn't really seem like there was going to be much um, option for overtaking. Um, and I, Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of it. No, no, you know that's that's fair enough, and I think we were somewhat proved right by the by the lack of overtaking. Um, Spanners, what did you think of the circuit? What did you think of it from a qualifying perspective, and then from a racing perspective? Okay, so look, I share a lot of the the negatives. I don't like street circuits in general. Me the me reason me we have street circuits is commercial, is for the glitz and glamour. So there's different kind of F1 fans. Some people like the sport of it like myself, some people like the action and like the adrenaline, like, oh, aren't we dead manly and sexy driving super fast? That's not really me either. <laughs> um, and, and and some people like the drama and the storylines and treat it like a soap opera, you know, so I don't mind a little bit of that. I don't mind a little bit of WWE. But no, mainly I, I want to look at it from a sporting point of view. And for me, street circuits never quite cut it. They're not appropriate for Formula One racing, single-seaters, carbon fibre aerodynamics that can get shredded Sebastian Vettel got hit by everyone except the safety car and just strewn, uh, had strewn carbon fibre everywhere on the track. Um, so no, so from from that point of view, I'm, I'm with you, Sponge. I um, I really didn't like that track. The blind corners were clearly insane. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> I'm, I am a fan of the the Herman Tilka tracks. I, I see what they're trying to do, even if they haven't always got it right. They are thinking actively about racing. And I think they probably had limited things to work with here, but there were a few real positives for the racing. So turn 13, that's great. Let's have a look at some banking. Let's have a look at different lines through corners so that people can get out of the slipstream in a corner. So people can try and line themselves up for the next straight. Um, Sochi turn three is, is one of those interesting corners. Not quite right. It doesn't quite work with the low grip. Put some banking on that. Maybe that works great. Zamvort, we can get people having different lines out of the slipstream. Okay, that's a good idea. And I think turn 13 here, uh, probably if we didn't have that banked, maybe we don't get the setups and the runs into turn one. And then the final turn, I think, was interesting because there was a couple of different options. You had that big, wide uh, entry. So if you have a big, wide entry, like you do in a lot of the corners, like Circuit of the Americas, which is another Tilkadrome, isn't it? I think it is another Herman Tilk one. It is, yes. When you race on that in the sim and when you see people attacking on that sim, on, on that track, there's a lot of options for, for the entry. And, and it's a really interesting corner as well. Even Verstappen's qualifying lap, 
where he ended up stuffing it into the wall, you saw he even had options there and he kind of chose to really, really attack it. And you heard the understeer because there was no crowd. So you heard the understeer and you could feel him not giving up on the corner because he'd, he'd gone in too hard. He was understeering and he still feel, felt like he could go for it. And a lot of the tracks we have, there is just one line and one way to approach it. At least this felt like a kind of track that you could attack. So I think there are some positives, uh, even though I, I broadly, I hate the track. Let's never go there again. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a very, that's a very pragmatic, but also a very good way of looking at this banners, actually. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, Coops, any, anything to add on, on thoughts of the circuit? You know, or, or, or do you think most things have been covered off? Um, you know, Spanners mentioned turn 13, but Yuki, Yuki Snow had actually passed one of the Ferraris there at turn 13. Um, yeah. I don't know what lap, to be honest. Okay, was... well, I think it was at the start. He took the, he went round the outside, which again is what Spanners was saying about the different lines. He went round the outside, and you know it was it was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of his race for poor old Yuki kind of fell fell to bits. But in terms of the track, uh, to make Spanners and Sponge a bit nervous, we go back there in like three months because uh, it's the second race of the twenty twenty two season. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Bahrain, it's, and then a week later it's Saudi Arabia. So yeah, we're straight back there in March. Uh, however, from what I've heard when I've been listening to you know other podcasts, and I know I listen to other ones, including Mist Apex. Uh, Get it? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you actually, you guys were part of the reason why I started doing this. Uh, anyway, uh, I think from what I've gathered from uh, what, what they were saying is. Jed is not the permanent racetrack in Saudi Arabia. I think they're looking at building a purpose-built they are. A street circuit. It's a purpose-built thing in about two or three years' time. Yes. Uh, so, Coop, so, sorry, sorry to sort of cut over you there, but you 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 are absolutely right. Um, I can't remember the the name of the town, but there is a permanent racing facility. Take from that what you will, being built, and I believe it's reduced to race there in twenty twenty three. So the same that we go to the permanent facility in Qatar, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, not Qatar. It'll be Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, but 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 what I mean is it's in the same way that we also go to a permanent facility in Qatar. Yeah, well, yeah, I think no, well Qatar, I think they're looking at doing a street circuit. John Cruz is kind of time I just said crack on. Yes. Let's try <laughs> that again. Yes. So the 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 Jeddah Street Circuit is not the permanent final track for Saudi Arabia. They're going to a, 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 a purpose-built track. I, I don't know the details. I haven't had a chance to look. Uh, uh, the Qatar circuit, the low-sale circuit, which is designed predominantly for, for bikes, that's not going to be the circuit they'll use either. Uh, they're looking at a street circuit. So we could end up getting rid of a street circuit in Saudi Arabia and going to a decent purpose-built one. And then just to make Spanners angry, we're going to go to a street circuit in Qatar. And they've signed a 10-year deal starting from 2023. So, you know, as, as Spanner says, and uh, it's it's the glitz and glamour. You know, they're trying to replicate a kind of Monaco-esque thing for the for this generation. Uh, Monaco is outlawed, is, is been uh, passed by... Uh, it's passed by. It's, it's it's outlived its sell by date in terms of uh, Formula One, but it's just going to be there. I don't like it. I now have the option to get rid of it in Formula One game, so I get rid of it. So uh, Monaco isn't there for Grand Prix racing, and we all know that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see next year with the new regulations uh, how it will look. Uh, how it will be is a just a spectacle, but you know. Well, maybe they'll learn some lessons from. Well, yeah, from this. I think I think that's what, just going to say their Spanish. That's they've they've had their, their go at it now. They know what the circuit's like. It's going to be too short a time for them to do anything in terms of changing any of the blind spots. But they know the circuit now, so they know what they're coming into. You know, when you go on a country road and they've got those. Uh convex round mirrors they could put a few yeah. of those on the blind corners that'll sort <laughs> it yeah. It yeah. By. <laughs> yeah although I, I think it's safe to say we know that everyone drivers don't pass out the best history of checking their mirrors when they're being overtaken um as this weekend proved another talking point that we have from from this race 
is red flags and specifically a point that I wanted to bring up and talk about. And I have thought of this before. I think back to Monza of 2020 is the rule where drivers are allowed to have a free change of tyres under red flag conditions. Um, now, we saw Lando Norris come out and say that this rule is, I believe he referred to it as ridiculous or ludicrous or something to that effect. Um, we've seen how it can greatly benefit some drivers. We saw it initially benefit Verstappen on Sunday. We saw it We saw it benefit some drivers in, in Monza last year. We've, see, we've seen some drivers benefit. And we've seen some drivers completely lose out because of this rule. Um, so, Sponge, what do you think about the red flag rule regarding tyres. Do you think drivers should not be allowed to change tyres? Do, uh, do you think it should just be the same as, as a park firming condition where unless they have damage, they're not allowed to change anything? What do you think? Uh, I, I firmly believe that they shouldn't be able to change anything because a red flag means race is neutralised and it, it's stopped until the circuit or whatever it is that's you know caused that red flag has been made safe again. So I don't, I, I mean, I, I just don't see a reason for them to allow changes of a tyre. I don't see the reason for that. Because can, at the end of the can. day, if you're, if, if you're stopping a race, then it's exactly that. You, you've stopped that race at that point. I mean, I, I think they're pushing, allowing teams to change parts as long as they can prove that that's on safety grounds i think that's pushing it for a start but you know teams are very clever and they're like yeah we need to we need to change that on safety reasons it's like well what's your safety reason i'll come up with something you know that's their job at the end of the day so yeah that, that's just my finding that's my that's my feeling on it i don't agree with it no no that's 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 a very good viewpoint on it to be fair coops did you have something you wanted to to counter or, or add to that well, as we raise your hand sponge just came down to his own question like the race is neutralized. So the thing is, with this changing the parts, now you can change as many parts as you want in the car during the red flag as long as it's the exact same spec of the part you're taking off. But the the, the thing about changing the tires, I think it's been in the rule book for about 15 to 20 years. It's it's always been there. And it's just now becoming an issue because it people were allowed to take advantage of it. Now uh, you know, Hamilton gained that advantage earlier on in the season. I think when, when it was uh, George Russell and Bottas had their incident, he went off the track. The red flag that he was able to change his tyres and then he lost out this time round. Pierre Gasly won a race because he was able to change the tyres. Yeah. So, you know, it's I, I will just say, about... I, I, I will just say, one thing that I will say is that I'm I'm not saying that I have an opinion one way or the other because it favoured one person or the other at the weekend. My my feeling is you should just not be allowed to change tyres. I don't care who it affects. It shouldn't be allowed. It would certainly think, be interesting if they didn't. Uh, it would certainly spice up. It's the, it's the same idea, I think, is changing the, the rule about using the tyres that you set your fastest lap in Q2. Mm. You know, Take that away. How would that change things? It would be mm. quite interesting. Yeah. But I mean, one thing know. I would say is that I think I think this this talking point, or you know, what brought this talking point up, you've got to give credit to Red Bull. They were very very clever in what they you know they 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 took a gamble, and they said right we're going to gamble on there being a red flag here you know. They left him out, and then they could change his tyres. It's as simple as uh, that. They got a free pit uh, stop. I don't yeah. think it was quite as smart as the red flag. I just think they thought they're going to yeah. be another. There's going to be another safety car. They wanted track position. Yeah, yeah they wanted Absolutely. track position. They knew there was probably going to be at least one more safety car because it's that track. So I don't think it was necessarily the red flag. But you're right. I think there was going to be a situation where there's going to be another safety car. They're going to be able to do can change it over. Um, so either way, it was a gamble, though, wasn't it? it was yeah, it, yeah. It, it, You've got it, to give them some credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a gamble by Red Bull, and and certainly from my perspective, I I think I think they had they were almost right to believe that we were going to have a red flag under the safety car because the circuit was an unknown, and we'd seen potential issues. Well, we'd seen issues in Formula Two and and, and the support races. Um, Spanners, mm. you know, you know, are we going to go three from three here? Do do do, do you think this uh, 
this red flag tie rule should be reviewed, or do you think it's do you think it's good? I'm not conforming to your norms. I'm not answering your question in the way you expect me to. I'm ripping up the rule book and I'm suggesting a new way of going forward. And the FIA can have this. I'm sure they listen to this. You can have it, but you have to call it Spanner's Law. So here's what happens, okay? So at the time where they would throw out the safety car, instead of that, we say Spanner's Law, okay? And we set a mark point, okay? So this is very much like football playing the advantage but if they change their mind, it resets back to that point. So we set a marker point. Mercedes, in this case, came in and changed their tires. The tires that they changed would now get put into a Parc Ferme situation. So they would be saved as part of that marker point. If then they decide to go to a red flag, we revert back to the marker point as if they had not pitted. So they go, they put the old tires back on and they line up in that order. If there's no red flag, then they continue under the tactical decisions they made. Now, what this does is this gives the FIA the ability to assess something on safety grounds without actually affecting the gameplay, if you like. So there's two scenarios. We are in Schrodinger's safety car when we're deciding whether there's going to be a red flag or not. And it's perfectly reasonable to take the time to make the correct safety decision. But that decision shouldn't then be a lottery, which it is now. So it's either the correct decision is to make a red flag. And in an ideal world, we would make that decision in an instant, but we can't. So if we make the decision to make a red flag, good, we go back to the marker. If not, Carry on. The decisions you've made are the decisions you've made. There we go. Spanner's Law. You are welcome. I don't know if you've got a round of applause button or or anything, but not, you can play that now. Not, not yet, but I'm, I'm sure we can pop one in in post-production. Spanners, do you think it's fair to say that we, we could title it as they throw a spanner in the works? Oh, nice. Oh, no. All right. No, I think Spanner's Law is better. Okay. Good good try, though. Uh, it, it, was, it, it, was, it, was, it was a valiant effort. No I round think. of applause button for that one, just from no. my previous no, just, monologue. Just, yeah. yeah, just, just, yeah. just, just booze and whistling for that one. That's yeah, right. we, we, we don't have an audio for a facepalm, which I think that deserved. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, we can search on the other teams if you want, but you know everything is much of a muchness, to be honest. Um, it, it, um, Coop, do you want to give any special mentions to any drivers from from this weekend, aside from Max and Lewis? No, well, I think we we kind of have to have a discussion about the brake checking, pass the car, slow the car down, that whole area of the track of the of the race. No, that that was probably the most farcical thing I've actually seen in Formula One, <laughs> because one minute, so Red Bull were told told Max Verstappen you need to get the place back because he passed him at the first corner again. Now, like this goes back to Brazil, the like why because of this, whatever. So anyway, again, FIA consistency and all that. So we've got Max Verstappen told to slow down. He slows down. Hamilton then realises, oh, wait a minute, I know what you're trying to do. Slows down. Max Verstappen hits the brakes. They hit each other. Then Max Verstappen then lets Hamilton by, but then passes him straight away. While this is all going on, the stewards are like, do you know what? I'm sick and tired of this carry-on. You're getting a five-second penalty. He then allows Hamilton to get past anyway, and then he realises the five-second penalty is happening, and Hamilton goes on with a broken front wing. Now, what did he make the front wings in Mercedes with? Because Ocon ran over the fucking thing, and it stayed on. He runs into the back of the, of the Red Bull, it stays on, and the first full lap after he hit Red, the Red the Max Verstappen, Hamilton sets the fastest lap of the race. Yeah. And Vibranium. Yeah, it must yeah. be. It must be because you've seen like Yuki Sonoda's front wing goes off by a tiny wee touch of the Aston Martin. Uh, anyway, that just popped into my head. So that whole kind of time was a it was just a bit of a joke. Now, the, the Twitter world of Formula One or Formula One's Twitter sphere is is very bipolar at the best of times. Uh, I think I that's I think that's probably that's probably the most conservative way of putting it as well. 
Yeah, I could call it all sorts of things. But you've got the Hamiltons going, well, there was space. Uh, you've got the Verstappen saying Hamilton hit him. Even comments on our own page on Facebook, like somebody should have got a one-race ban, somebody should have lost 20 points. Now, the stewards have said that it's predominantly Verstappen's fault because of the erratic... I think it's erratic breaking, I think they've called it. Yes. Now, I, I believe the FIA document did, speci- did specifically mention breaking. And we should also point out that in Verstappen's post-race interview, he said he uh, he used the word breaking instead of slowing down. So whether he has or not, he is he's not helped himself in any in any way, and he has incriminated himself a bit there. Um, I mean, the word then does say erratic breaking. Now, if you say erratic and breaking, by the kind of letter of the law, it's a break check because he put is it two points. 2.4 G of deceleration at a certain point, which is at the point where Hampton hits him. So, which is a break check. As by the letter of the law, it is now. Was it an intended break check? Probably not, because it's gamesmanship, and he probably put the pressure on because he's like, "Hamilton, get past me." It happened. It is what it is. He's got his 10 second penalty. The FIA were never going to do any more than that because they want the final race to be a shootout between the top two drivers. Yeah. Uh, and I think Spanos is going to shut me up because I'm going on a bit. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a very short sentence. It was an obvious break check and he should have been disqualified. And there you are. Okay. Sponge, anything to add there, sir? Uh, I thought you'd now you say I'm going to sound like a tip because I'm going to defend Max now mm. and I'm going to say... Betrayal. Yeah, for, 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 for the benefit of our audio listeners... Coops has just spat out whatever he was drinking all 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 over something off screen because I because correct me if I'm wrong but I think I think Hell might have just frozen over a sponge says he's going to defend Max what's happened my goodness okay uh, I, I, right I, at first I said it was a a right check and then I watched the replays on the night while it was all still a bit raw and I said you know what looking at his on board it didn't look like a break check. Now that the FIA have come out and said there was there was 69 bar of pressure and 2.4 G of deceleration, I'm sorry, there is no way that you can deny that that is a brake check. I know there's a lot of people out there that try and try and like, oh no, he wouldn't do that. You know, he's every it, it's it's like it in football. Oh, he wouldn't he wouldn't go in two footed like that. He's not that kind of person. He's like, no, he did he did it. Whatever, break, whatever he was thinking. Yeah. You break so hard. In at the beginning of an acceleration zone, that you lock the yeah. brakes, you brake checked. This isn't even an argument. This isn't even a debate. Not, I can't. No, 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 I no. can't believe how it's been reframed as a DRS no. squabble. He's at the beginning of an acceleration zone, and he broke, and then lifted, and then broke again hard with and a I car even... behind him. The car behind tried to swerve to avoid him and didn't. Verstappen even moved left into the centre of the track. It was a brake check. It was dangerous. Any other driver especially in the context of having been effectively penalised twice before in that race, would have yep. been black and white flagged previously to that and then disqualified. Yep. Yep. Sorry, have I got... Is that is that the tone? Have I misjudged the tone? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Carefully the the yep. only thing that I was going to defend, Maxine, is if, if they're both being honest about what they're saying about this DRS detection zone is the kid's got his brain switched on. He knows exactly what he was doing. He'd already done it once. He'd led him through so that then he went straight up the inside and he went round that corner. And they were like, oh, no, that ain't happening. Because if I remember rightly, I think actually Lewis tried to do that once before. I can't remember what season it was. And he got pulled up for it. Yeah. Yeah. So So he got pulled up for it and he got told, no, you give the the corner back. 2008. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been done before. There is a precedent. And... Yes, Max should have been told again, give him the cornerback. However, if Max has got his brain switched on that much that he realises there's a DRS dissection zone there, I don't want to be the one in front when we go past that. Fine, I'll give him a bit of credit for that. That's my credit to him. But it's not, no. it's not a very safe, safe way to do it, I suppose. No, it's not. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. And I don't, I, I mean, you know, the, these pictures that people send in a desperate attempt to try and defend him, saying, oh, he wasn't in the middle of the track. 
yes, a freeze frame at 200 mile an hour. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, let's just do one freeze frame where he's right over on the right-hand side of the track. Let's not show him twitching back into the centre or the fact that on the apex, I know it was only a bend, but at that speed, my point is, if you are anywhere towards the centre of that, yes, you can be in the centre and then drift out wide when that bend apex comes. It might not look like a corner. If it's a bend, you can let your car drift out, which is exactly what he done. Then he yep. flicks, you see on the cockpit, he flicks the steering wheel left yep. as Lewis is about to go into him and he brake checks him. I don't understand how he's still a driver. That gun is right. smoking. Yeah, okay, right, <laughs> chaps, let's let's um let's let's run up from here and move on because we're beginning to go over all ground a bit. To respond to that. Fuck you, Siri. That's how I respond to that. Sorry, my watch is my watch is back chatting me. Coops, um, do you need a new pen for that edit? notes that you're taking <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, i've got a lot of scribbles written down from just just numbers <laughs> just a list of numbers okay right M- moving on so f1 rolls into into the finals into the fuck's sake and another one and another one. so next week f1 rolls on into the final race of the season and as we mentioned the drivers are indeed tied on points uh, we head to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which uh, which is which is now taking up its place as as the season finale. Just a quick bit about the circuit: the official title is the Etihad Airways Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. A race lap is five point two eight one kilometers over fifty eight laps, with Daniel Ricciardo holding the lap record of a one forty point nine two six. And the first GP was held in two thousand and nine. Now this weekend. Pirelli are bringing the C3, the C4, and the C5 compounds. And the schedule for our UK listeners, so please bear in mind these are UK times, you'll have to adjust accordingly. FP1 is from half past nine until half past ten. FP2 is from one o'clock until two o'clock in the afternoon. Then FP3 on on Saturday is from 10 a.m. until 11 a.m. with qualifying starting at 1 p.m. And then Sunday, the winner-takes-all race, is at 1 p.m. So, I mean, there's only sort of one main thing to, to discuss here, and this kind of ties in with, with, with the race predictions. Um, I just mentioned it's, it's a winner-takes-all. Uh, I'm, I'm going to roll the predictions and expectations sort of into one for this uh, for, for this segment. And Spanners, I'll go to you first, my friend. Who's going to come out on top? Who, who is going to win? Or... What is going to happen? I should, I'll, I will phrase it. Red Bull will qualify on a softer tyre. That's my first prediction. So that they can get that extra four metres. Is that what they say the softer compound is worth to get track position? It can be a hard track to pass on. I think they are going to go for their low downforce rear wing because their medium downforce rear wing seems buggered. So they're going to go low downforce to stay ahead in the straights and use their mechanical grip to just keep it together and and try and harass. There will be an undercut if they get behind and if they can stay behind. Those are their only options. And of course, turn one. But I confidently predict a Mercedes 1-2 with Red Bull third and Perez. And bear in mind, I'm a Perez fan, like sixth or seventh or something. And uh, I, I just think that I think the most likely scenario here is that Hamilton and Bottas disappear. It's not a track that's going to generate a ton of red flags, I don't think. So I think it is going to be a procession to the end and Hamilton picks up a very, very tight world championship. Okay. That is uh, that, that, that certainly one viewpoint. Uh, Sponge, I'm going to head to you next, my friend. What are your predictions for, for this weekend? Who do you think is going to come out on top? Or, like I said, Spanners, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I've got to say I agree with Spanners. I think Merck are just going to go out and just just do it. They're just going to, they're going to turn everything up to 100. They know, don't forget, right, that the championship that pays the books is the team championship, the constructors' championship. So... You know, they're going to want Valtteri in there in the mix to make sure that they can bring that home. So it's it's not like he can just turtle around. Um, obviously, Lewis is after the drivers' championship, 
So I think all in all, it points to Mercedes taking both championships home quite comfortably, I think. Okay. and uh... I just hope it's clean. That's the only thing that I would add. I just hope it's clean. Okay, and Coops, what do you think? What do you I think? think I, this I think Verstappen will take it. Uh, partly because I'm going to be completely against it, or completely, completely opposite, sorry, of the FIA and say I've been consistent all season because my pre season uh, predictions were Red Bull and uh, Verstappen. Uh, <coughs> so. I'm going to go with Red Bull uh, for the drivers. I think Mercedes have got enough in the bank to take the constructors. I think they're 25 or 27 points clear, something around those around that area. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty done for that. I mean, uh, Sponge is right. The constructors is the money, but the prestige is drivers. I think it will be clean because I don't think Verstappen, as much as he is a bit of a hothead, I don't think he wants to win his first title against Hamilton dirty. I don't think he's going to do a Schumacher, either be 1994 or Jerez in 97. Uh, I don't think they're going to do any of that. I mean, no. uh, I think, and also, I don't think Honda would like to win a championship in their final race before pulling out under a cloud. Uh, so, nope, Spanners. Yeah, I strongly I disagree with that. I a a thousand percent think that if he has an opportunity to do a, a Schumacher, he will he will go for it. If he has an opportunity to push it to the very limit, and if they crash, so be it. He's going to take it. I mean, I mean, he, uh, the ball's in his court. I mean, on count back, he'll win it because he's got what nine race wins exactly, against eight. Exactly. So you know, just that. Oh, so you know, I might eat my words, and I will send you a message on the Twitter sphere if that's the case. I'll sorry. I'll be waiting uh, for it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, about three o'clock in the afternoon, you'll probably get that message. Uh, on, oh, on Sunday. As well. I think it'll be turn one. I think that's very optimistic yeah. to think it'll be by three Ooh. o'clock. Yeah, do turn think, one. Do you think it's a Prosena situation? Turn one, lap one. Of course, it is. I said on I said on our conversation the other day, people people are going on at the moment like it hasn't happened before. It mm. has happened a it lot has of times before. Yes. Can I ask a question? Is that allowed? Sorry, yeah, I'm going to anyway. Okay, so 94, Adelaide, Schumacher yeah. hits Damon Hill. Now, yeah. Hill went to the pits and there was a big decision about whether they could continue. And Hill, I, I assume, wanted to carry on, but they looked at the wishbone and went, no responsible team would send that driver out. He could have gone out and risked it and won the championship. What will what will they do in that in this inevitable coming together? Verstappen is now out. He's he's shot his shot. Lewis Hamilton comes into the pits. There's damage on the car. I think they send him out for that 10th place, whatever happens. Yeah. I think depending on what damage there is, yeah. And obviously as well, they might be on the radio to Massey saying, please, can you red flag it so we can use the safety rule to replace <laughs> all the parts yeah. and everything? I think it could be on fire and they'd still go, no, give it a go, Lewis. God, we can get 10th. <laughs> so, I mean, Lewis Hamilton has won a race in three wheels and won the race with a front wing that was falling off. So, yeah, man. I mean, he, he can do it. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just wishful thinking for me. Maybe I maybe I hope that Verstappen wants to win the race, but then I know the way Spanners is talking, I don't think he cares. And uh, maybe it's just hopeful, wishful thinking for me. I think I don't care. I don't think he cares. I think if I think Spanners is right. I think if he manages to just put him wide and ends up knocking a wee wishbone or knocking a wing off so and him down the grid, he'll be like, and what? And it's racing. There's one very big factor that we haven't factored in here as well, which is the Josh factor. Because mm. any time he gets a chance, he's going to have Josh on one arm and he's going to have somebody else on the other. Josh is going to be like, do it, take him out, do it, take him out, give him one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like somebody else on his other arm going, no, don't do it. You want to do it properly. No, don't no, there it isn't. All. It's not a devil and an angel. He's got Verstappen and Marco. So he's got oh, two two voices going. Do it. That's two super villains on there each is shoulder. Stereo. There. Good grief. Yeah, that's okay. uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we've we've all we've seen in the past that when um when when Max doesn't have his dad at the circuit, he seems calmer and he seems, if anything, more composed. So so certainly certainly if I was Max, I'd be saying, Dad, stay at home. You know, I got this. Watch it on TV, and I'll ring you when it's done. No, um, no, you'll also be, well, you'll also be there. 
Yeah, uh, there's it, it, no way it, it, that he'll be allowed exactly. to do that. Exactly. Yeah. But but if if I was Max, I would be saying I would be saying keep Goss away. So I know he wants to be there, but just let me do my thing. Um, and for, from from my perspective, tonight I honestly don't know which way it's going to go. I want to see Max win it, but the momentum is with Lewis. But Red Bull have always been stronger at the end of the season. But Merck have you know they've got all these you know, Nando sauce flavored engines from Brazil onwards. Um, you know, I just, I just hope they bring the. You, know, you, the, you better you better not be sitting on the fence here, Tom. You need you've got us all to say something. Yeah, make so a decision. Yeah, on. come on, man. All right, I'm gonna put on my best Michael Massive voice on Verstappen's gonna win it. Okay. So, Why so would we'll you get, say that? We'll get two and two then. Well, he's a fanboy for Verstappen to be Verstappen. Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Verstappen's my boy. And I accidentally walked into Jos Verstappen in 2016 in the Hungara ring. So oh. fun fact. Yeah, and you. you lived well. Can yeah. I can I can I ask I'm bigger than him, so yeah, can I ask a question? Just something I stumbled across while I was getting ready for the podcast. Can anybody remember another time in Formula One history where the top two drivers went to the final race on the same points? It was in the, it was the it, uh, not on the same points. No, sorry. Uh, the the last time was the eighties. Um, Spanners, what about you? I'm too young, mate. I can't. I don't. I can't go back that far. Was, Barely uh, a pop. Would it have been James Hunt it, and Nicky Lauda? Nope. It was the 1974 season. Is the only time it ever happened, and it was oh, Fittipaldi and Clay Regazzoni. And it ended up being. It wasn't one of those. Oh my goodness! You actually, I actually had to find it. I had to Google. It's not one yeah. of those end of the season battles that was like, oh my goodness! Look, remember this season. Uh, it's the only time and since 1950. So it's all this season in 1974. Are the only two times we've went to a final race with two drivers on the exact same points. So this doesn't happen. This season doesn't happen. This is a once in a generation. Thing, yeah. To be honest. And and uh, you know I, I just I just just want to round out this conversation and this whole podcast by saying what a season we have had and it has been. It has been so tightly contested, and, and there have been twists and turns, and trials and tribulations, and decisions, and you know, controversial moments, and penalties, and this and that. And to me, and I don't know about the rest of you, but it seems almost only right that we head into the final race level on points after everything we've had this season for a winner takes all showdown. And. That's- and 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 I and I, I just want to say ahead of the new regulations next year, long may it continue. I think I think to be honest, we've had such a good season. It would be such a shame if it ended in a cloud of controversy. Whether yeah. it be Verstappen punting Hamilton off, you know, you'd want it to be done properly. But you know, it's Verstappen. So Spanners was a bit incredulous when I said that there. I was like, no, no, the perfect end to this season, which has all been controversy, and frankly, the second half has been rubbish racing between Verstappen and Hamilton. It hasn't been good racing. <laughs> it's been dramatic racing. It's been charging in with a metal chair, going through the ropes. You think it's over. One, two. Oh, no, he's dramatically got up because the teammates jumped off of a ladder. It, that's the season it's been. <laughs> yeah, it's been brilliant. If they collide and take each other out and Verstappen wins because of countback, in a double DNF that he caused, that will be the absolute most 2021 way to finish the 2021 <laughs> season. Well, and yeah. I wouldn't care because Max will be world champion. And, and do you know what, Spanners? If that happens, I'm deactivating my Twitter account because I don't know <laughs> if I can handle what happens after. No, arguing on Twitter is the best bit. Come and join us. Oh. Wait in. Okay, the water's yeah, lovely. Oh, God, no, no. That, no, oh, not God, for me. Um, right, okay. One very small talking point that I want to bring up. And this is not about um, Hamilton and Verstappen because there are actually apparently other drivers on the grid. Um, I kind of forgotten about them to be honest. Um, after twenty years with a hiatus in the middle, um, Kimi Raikkonen is entering his final race in Formula One, and af- after which point there will be a very big Iceman-shaped hole on the grid. Um, so, so I just, just, just want to do a quick roundup on, on, on any sort of like thoughts or sort of like you know any final goodbyes for Kimi. Um, Spanish, do you, want to, do you want to say something quickly about Kimi? I don't care about Kimi Raikkonen at all. Okay, good chat, Sponge. <laughs> uh, 
I don't really know how to follow that, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I think, fucking I think hell, at the man. end of the day, we've we've said we've said, haven't we? Or I've said for a couple of years now. Kimmy has been on that grid with it's an not. attitude of, do you know what? If you want me on the grid, I will drive for you on the grid. I'm not going to put myself out. I have a family at home. Blah blah blah. It's come to the end. He's given us plenty of laughs along the time. I wish him well. Um, yeah, good luck to, to good luck to the, the lads filling his shoes. Do you know what he did to Martin Brundle this weekend? No. Which I thought was quite funny. It was very Kimmy Reikening. So Martin Brundle goes up to him during the Sky broadcast and says, Kimmy, can we have a word? And he says yes and walks away. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 if that's not Kimmy Reikening in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just, you know, just, I, I just, I just think it's, it's just, yeah, it's sad to see him go, but I do think he has almost overstayed his welcome in Formula One and he, sh- and he should have almost. retired. He should have almost. retired at the very latest in 2018 in that final season with Ferrari. Kimmy fans, don't at me. That's no, do just... at him. Do it. Well good, well, good luck with that because I don't have Twitter. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you're just saying it to try and be hip, are you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's apparently apparently what the, what the cool kids say. I wouldn't know because I'm not one of them. Um, but yeah, no. So it'd be shame to see him go in some ways, but also it's good because it gives people with money a chance to move into Formula One. Um, well, if you get thirty million pound worth of sponsorship, it does exactly. So just 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 one final thing. Um, as, uh, as as uh, as 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 you as you've heard on this podcast, we've had a very special guest, Spanners, from the from the, Mist, from the Mist Apex podcast. Spanners, where can we find you? What do you do? Um, well, as you know, yes, I've got Mist Apex Formula One podcast. You can tune into that if you want. But where you really see me at my very best is on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire at ten a.m. on Sundays, where I host a gardening and agriculture and outdoors show. That's where that's where you'll see me really spread my wings. So thank you, thank you for that, Spanners. And wh- where can we find the Missed Apex podcast? Uh, well, you can go to mistapex.net and everything you need is there. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to plug it. And it was lovely to meet all you guys and, uh, and to be invited, given the roster of top F1 media celebrities that you normally invite. I, I assume I was seventh on the list, but I was happy to accept the call. Okay, so so just just um just one just one final thing from me. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Discord, and our website. Our social media handle is at joinef1. Our website is www.everythingf1.com. Then you can also find us on Spotify with the Everything F1 podcast. Right, that's it from all of us. Just just chance for everyone to say goodbye. So thank you, Coops. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Sponge. Cheers, buddy. Have a good one. And thank you very much to our special guest, Spanners. Work hard, be kind, and have fun. And from me, Tom, just want to say, no star, good night. <laughs>